It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. So the uh, meeting is uh, now over. President Biden uh, meeting with Xi Jinping in Bali uh, during the G20. Uh, the statement, uh, according to the uh, White House reporting uh, from uh, Biden to Xi uh, in one uh, statement, the world expects, I believe, China and the United States to play key roles in addressing global challenges from climate change to food insecurity and for us to be able to work together. The perspective, uh, Dr. Zong, that also interests me is how Chinese citizens residents, and some, yes, possibly even members of the party, see uh, this relationship between China and the U.S. from their perspective. Uh, Reporting, and even some reporting by Fox News and other outlets, uh, responses varying from uh, mid-20s to people who are retirees, pensioners in China, uh, show that it's not universal one way or the other. So, How does Xi now effectively in control after the latest Congress vote in in China see the U.S. And what about China's view from the ground level, from the citizen level? Hi, David. Thanks for having me. That's a very interesting question you raised, because uh, in the old days, it used to be in communist regimes, including the Soviet Union and China, that when a communist leader met with say, American presidents, it was viewed domestically as a good thing because at least, you know, our leader, that's the thinking, uh, how the thinking would go. At least our leader is on a global stage uh, talking to the American uh, president. So in that case, in the old days, it boosted uh, the legitimacy of the Communist Party, whether it's for the Soviet Union or for the CCP. But nowadays, not, not quite so anymore because the tensions between China and the U.S., are high, and the U.S. has implemented some very tough measures against the Chinese economy. Most importantly, the export control on semiconductors recently. Uh, it's, uh, so the U.S. is not viewed as something that quite friendly toward China anymore. And so I think that it's very interesting to see this change in the general public in China about you know uh, having this meeting is not necessarily uh, a plus or a minus for the Chinese president. Is there a part of this, or maybe there is a part, but to what extent Xi's position is now? uh, Yes, there are a lot of other factors, uh, not just Taiwan, but economic factors, the expansion of the Belt and Road Initiative, and to some degree even pushback in some quarters of the world against Chinese, uh, you know, the debt trap that China puts out there. But Xi's position, he is now effectively this generation's Mao in the sense of control of the party and control of the nation from that. So has his position and the view you just laid out uh, aligned and why they don't need to be seen as, you know, need in the world stage by speaking with America? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you mentioned a lot, several factors, David, and I think they all go into the balance sheet of the legitimacy uh, Xi Jinping now has in China. It, so it used to be that economic growth is very important, but China, the Chinese economy is not doing well anymore with zero COVID policy. And so 
a lot now comes down to the nationalist ideology. Now nobody in China believes in communism anymore either, right? So, but now they believe in the unity or unification um, <clears throat> of Taiwan, and so I think that puts Taiwan really in the front and center in the conflict. And to some extent,、uh, at some point, President Xi might even be forced to deliver on the re- reunification. Because remember, looking back at the、uh, Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, China put out a lot of tough talks at the time, and some people in mainland China they were complaining about all these tough talks and not seeing any actions.、Right? So they view Beijing as you know tough in words, but and when are we going to take back Taiwan? That some of them very nationalist、uh, residents in China are thinking. So I think that posed a very dangerous situation, because at some point the legitimacy, or the the lack thereof, might require the、uh, CCP to take over Taiwan, and that's going to be very disruptive to the global economy, not on, not just for the people、uh, who live in Taiwan. So, when you look at what happened now at the G20, and look, this is new new news. For lack of a better term,、uh, with Biden and Xi, is that the most important meeting, or are there others that affect?、Uh, I guess if you want to call the G20 even more. Well, I think the foreign minister、uh, of Russia is there, so that might there might be very important meetings uh, uh, from the perspective of the、uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But I, I think uh, it's. Um, We we should we should think of the Xi Biden meeting as very important, in the sense that at least the two sides now agree to talk a little bit more. That's at least from the readout from the White House,、uh, which basically says that let's talk more and let, let's not nuke each other. <laughs> It's a very low bar now,、uh, given that the、uh, U.S. and China are the two largest economy and the great powers in the world. So I, I think there、um, there are a lot of uncertainties that lie ahead. It's very important to monitor、uh, the tensions between U.S. and China and how China might respond actually to the export control, which I think is putting a lot of pressure on China's quest for uh, uh, being able to make high tech sector by itself. I think that's facing a lot of challenge now with the U.S. policies. I want to ask a more of a cultural question. And I'll put it in this frame.、Uh, I work with the Patton family, and it's it's actually interesting to see how many over the since World War II and to now, and literally recently, in a conversation about Chinese officials and Chinese leaders, how much they admired General Patton. Just to meet his family members who are friends of mine, just to just to go out, and the response is almost universally consistent that it's an admiration for strength, a recognition of someone who is presents and and delivers on a strong front, strong leadership. And what I see some of the reporting on how people see Biden from China, they see and the words that are used that too old, weak. Doesn't come off as strong,、uh, almost to the point of giving the inference of, well, not even worth the conversation because weak, the strength versus weak, the culture versus culture, and, and I think that is something that we are not paying close enough attention to. What do you say? 
I think you are right on that. At the individual level, uh, I can I see that too. That there are a lot of doubts uh, from within China, which is the same as the, the with the, a concern that many Americans share as well. That at the individual level, the the U.S. president might look weak at some time, uh, at times. But if you really look at the China policy at the policy level, I think the China policy under President Biden. It's not really that different from President Trump. One might actually argue that it, in some respects, it's uh, tougher on China uh, when it comes to, say, the semiconductor or export control on various malicious entities, for example. I think on that front, the U.S. has strengthened some of the sanctions or export control on、uh, companies in China that work with the PLA.、Right? So, on in that sense, I think it's stronger. If you look at the tariffs, it's pretty much the same. So nothing is really lifted since the trade war.、Uh, I think smart people in in China, in Beijing, they recognize that. In in fact, they 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 were even surprised、uh, when they realized President Biden is not going to be soft on China. It's the、uh, you know the general public, people who watch TV, they might be influenced by some of the scenes that. The, the state-controlled media show the Chinese people, especially when the, the American president appears a little weaker.、Uh, but I think people who are smart and who fought, really follows policy in China, they they recognize that that's not actually the case. Well, and that's you know the difference between the population and those in control. And with the CCP in control,、uh, while the population may respond one way, those who are in power.、Uh, They have again. It's complex, but you know, in basic terms, do they see the U.S. as someone?、Uh, and when they look specifically at Joe Biden and they see the leadership again, back to that example of、uh, culturally, or if you will, politically,、uh, I don't know how else to put it. Recognizing when you're dealing with someone of strength and character, however, whether you agree or disagree, that is a concern that they may then begin to alter policy. And I see this in other countries around the world. I speak to some other leaders. When there's a vacuum, if say the U.S. or one of the other European powers isn't there, China's there.、Uh, but it doesn't mean they love China. But how China treats them as well is in if you're subservient or below us, then we will dictate. Right, and I I think so. In that sense, some of these countries, for example, on. If you think of the Belt and Road Initiative, where it has the most impact, those countries they don't necessarily love China. It's just that America doesn't have a presence there.、Right? So it's a in 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 the end, it comes down to a trade-off. Like you pick uh, uh, one side that you know benefits you the most. And so I, I think to your point there, I think you, you you are perfectly you're absolutely right. That I think the U.S.、Uh, has has to do a lot more in terms of wooing these potential allies and partners around the world than、uh, the extent is doing it now. But if you, I think, in terms of the Chinese response to the U.S.,、uh, it would be very important to follow a few、uh, how a few policies would play out. Uh, uh, you know, next year, one I, I mentioned the export control on the semiconductor sector. It's important to see how strictly the U.S. is implementing this new policy, but there's also the、um, banning goods coming into the U.S. made with forced labor. That's also a new policy that's now being played out. 
And it, it remains to be seen how tough the U.S. really is in trying to uh, root out products made with Uyghur forced, uh, forced labor. A third one I would say is uh, delisting Chinese companies that do not follow the disclosure rules in the uh, stock markets in the U.S. That's also currently being negotiated between uh, China and the U.S. I think if the, uh, if the United States can stand strong, stand firm in these policies that really affect our inti- uh, institutions, it would, it would be where we can show, really show strength to the Chinese government. Are there other... Well, actually, this would require a lot longer conversation than you and I have if I asked the question the way I was about to. But are there more immediate uh, actions that can be taken to show China a response, whether it's on behalf of Taiwan or the debt trap around the world? I mean, I know it's, we've only got a minute and a half, but I, is there something now that would begin the trajectory of a, of a more effective response? I think, yes, uh, you brought up Taiwan, which I think is front and center in the conflict. Uh, there are a lot of areas that the United States need to work with Taiwan more closely. Uh, one example is the cybersecurity. Right? If you uh, think of, uh, look back to the Ukraine with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the U.S. intelligence community has been working with the Ukrainians for years to enhance the cybersecurity in the event of a Russian cyber attack. Uh, the U.S. is not working nearly as closely with Taiwan on that. And we, we all know how strong the cyber attacks from China can be. And I think if China implement any of those high-level cyber attacks on Taiwan, it would basically very easily cut Taiwan off from the global Internet. And we know how important that is, given uh, Taiwan's manufacturing, being the manufacturing center of a lot of high-end semiconductor chips. So I think Aside from now, although the war is not on the horizon uh, very soon, but preparation for one, making helping Taiwan to be more resilient, I think is something that uh, the U.S. can and should do immediately. Well, we have uh, the beginning of the next level conversation after the meetings in Bali. Dr. Zong, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, David. Dr. Weifen Zong, Senior Research Fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. Join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.